0: Hey, I'm Pastor Dave Ferguson. Welcome to Crosswalk Chattanooga's Weekend Teaching Podcast. We're glad you're with us. What's happening, Crosswalk? Good morning, everybody. You doing all right? There's a lot of people in this room. There needs to be a little bit more energy. I, know, I mean, I know we just did the like holy, holy, holy piece, but like, wake up now. Um, thanks for being here, man. Six hundred fifty chairs in this room right now. Look at you all. Um, so this means when, when a room fills up like this, it's really incredible because you have to sit next to somebody you don't know and that's scary, right? But we're, we all love Jesus here and no matter how weird the person looks, just smile and like, Jesus, it's all right. Um, thanks for being here. My name is Pastor Tim Gillespie. I'm the lead pastor of Crosswalk and Redlands, the teaching pastor for Crosswalk Global, and um, what you guys are doing here is amazing. Thank you for the work that you do to build the kingdom of God, and thank you all for coming who are showing up. I know some of you are new. I know school just started over at Southern, and um, so this is kind of a brand new thing. You're checking out churches. We'd love to have you here as a part of our community of belonging, but we understand you need to find a place that is right for you, so we're not scared of that as well. Make sure this is where you want to be and in God's you you to be as you find the place that you will worship. But I will encourage you this, if you are a freshman or a sophomore, if you're just coming to school, find a place where you can commit over the next few years so you can grow spiritually. I think that's really important. Outside of the chapels and all the, all the worship credits and all that, outside of all that, find a place where you can um, commit and you can grow some roots. I think that's really important. So um, anyway, we are... Uh, um, we're in this uh, series called Elemental, and we're in season two of it. We spent the first part deconstructing our faith. We are now moving towards a reconstruction of our faith, and that's something that we're talking about today. But I wanna give you a quick, um, a quick update on some things that are going around, uh, the, that have been happening in the crosswalk world. Um, I'm wearing a brand new T-shirt from our brand new campus in North Houston. We launched them last week, amen? Yeah, it's amazing. So that is our sixth campus now. We have six fully functioning campuses of Crosswalk Church all throughout North America. And just so you know, we've got about four campuses in development that we hope to plant over the next year, year and a half. And so God is really doing something amazing with this movement. And it's so fun to come to one of our anchor Campuses, which is Chattanooga, you are our first satellite campus, our first off-site campus, and it's just incredible to watch what you have done. So anyway, it's, uh, I'm blessed by each and every one of you here worshiping with us today. and it's important that you understand something. We're not just planting churches. What we really are interested in is planting communities and communities of belonging. And church is easy to say, "Oh, there's another church, but a community is something particularly different right? And we're talking about community today as part of an elemental need that we have as humans as well as something elemental or deeply important to our faith and our faith journey as people who believe in Christ. Now, in um, in biblical terms, we call the community the ecclesia or the body of Christ. And um, it it's, means that every piece of us is somehow connected to something else. In in the human body, there are these things called sinews, right? And they connect bone to bone, and they connect muscle to bone, and it is that connective tissue that becomes really important. Communities are made of that. It's not a random foot or a random elbow or a random knee. It is actually the way that things come together that build that community. And so that means communities are really just housing or warehouses for relationships. It doesn't matter how good you are at something. If you don't have people around you, you are, are worse off for it. When I was growing I grew up in the 80s and kind of the 90s. And um, I got a chance to see two particular athletes play. And they were amazing. I got to see Wayne Gretzky play hockey. And that guy was an incredible hockey player. He played the game as if nobody else was on the ice. He always knew where the puck was gonna be. He was incredible. But he was only as good as his team was, no matter what. I also got to see Michael Jordan playing. It was the same sort of experience. This guy played a game that was different than everybody else on the court. However, if he did not have a team, if he did not have good relationships with his team, they would not win. Relationships are really important, and I know you know this kind of intrinsically, but if you were to think back, what relationships in your life have really defined you? And we all have those kinds of relationships, right? For those of us who are older, it might be people that we knew in grade school or high school, right? Maybe even college. For some of us, it's family. Those are the relationships that really define this. Not everybody has a great family, so sometimes that's not necessarily a positive thing, but sometimes it's the family that has really made us and shaped us. Think back to the ones, these relationships that you kind of can't deny formed you and you realize what it means to be in a community. When you have many of those relationships that are formational, that are transformational even, that's when the community really begins to become something important. Now, we are people of faith and so we're not just in community because we all like the same kind of car or we all play golf or we all do something or another. We come together for a bigger reason than that. That is our belief in Jesus Christ, him crucified, him resurrected, right? That's the reason why we come together. So it pays, it makes sense for us to ask this question. Can you be a Christian by yourself? Now, I would say this. You can absolutely believe in isolation. You can read scripture. You can read commentaries. You can read theological works. And you can say, yes, I believe in that. And that's great. That's all well and good. However, you cannot be a Christian, a practicing Christian by yourself. Because it's not just about what you know. It is also about how you express that knowledge into the world. And the truth is, In order to learn about love at its highest level, we need people. Christian community is an important part of understanding what love is, both to give and to receive love. This is why you can't be a Christian alone. It's in these relationships that we learn to give and receive. God, and here's what's so fascinating, right? God is so creative in the way that he loves us that he created each one of us to interact with other people in order to learn more about love. So that means that the people sitting next to you, right, the people, that, the people that you interact with are a gift from God to teach you about what love really is, and you are a gift to them from God to teach them what love really is as well. Even the really difficult people, they are teaching you how to love beyond being annoyed. I thought that would hit more. You're like, no, I'm not like that. Yes, you are. Listen, listen. The fact that God gives us to one another is incredible. The fact that we, are, are, we come together as a community, and listen, here, here's, the, here's the problem with the modern church, right? The problem with the modern church is that it's really easy to come in and consume. You're all facing this way. That's a little weird, right? You do that in other places too, like a movie theater. You come and you consume and you don't build relationships. And it's possible that you can be part of this kind of worshiping community and never actually build those connections and build those relationships. And we have to fight against that to make sure that you're not just coming and consuming, to make sure that you're not just coming and being a tourist at church, but you're actually engaging in community because it's easy. It's easy to come, sit, grab a cup of coffee, get a donut if you're here on time, scoot in as much as you need to, enjoy the worship service and leave and never make a connection with somebody. It's really possible to do that in the modern church. And so we gotta make sure that we fight against that because that's not necessarily the model of church that Christ wants us to belong to or be part of, right? Because community is important. Relationships are important. Community meets your practical needs, right? It it meets your, and and we're going to get into this, but when you talk about community and you talk about biblical community, you have to start in one place. And and every preacher I know, when we talk about ecclesia, when we talk about the body of Christ, we're going to start in Acts 2, verses 42 through 47, because it gives us an example of what the early church was like. It looks not so much like the church today, but when we go beyond just a worshiping community, go beyond this program and move into relationships, this actually becomes the model for us in church. And it starts like this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and the prayer, right? The well, first words out of there is that they devoted themselves. So that's one of the things you gotta do. This is why I'm encouraging you, if you're a young person here at school, to commit to a community Because you have to devote yourself to something, right? You can't just be a tourist your whole life. It gets exhausting. And so you have to commit. That's the first thing. They committed themselves, and then they gave themselves over to. They submitted to things like the teaching of the apostles, to fellowship, to being together, to lunch, sharing meals together, as well as the Lord's Supper, and to prayer Praying for one another, praying for other people as well. A deep sense, what's fascinating is that from that kind of engagement, from that kind of relationship, all of a sudden they became in awe of how good God is because of the way that they were living their lives together. And they saw God do many things through the apostles, right? All these signs and wonders. Now, this is one of the things that community does. It recognizes the miracles that's happening in each other's lives. And we can call that out in each other's lives. That's why these connections are important. And all the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had. They didn't shirk their responsibility of membership, right? They convened like we're doing today and they shared what they needed to share, which is really important. They sold their property and possessions and shared money with those in needs. The corporate body can do that in a way that individuals can't. You can set up organizations that help people in need. You can, you can do the work of compassion and mercy that we're called to in the world, according to Luke 4. We can do this more powerfully with the corporate body, right? To serve and to sacrifice, to be in mission together. They understood the needs from one another because they saw each other in a different way. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in house homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Do you notice that they didn't just come to church? They actually engaged beyond church to be a community that worships together, that eats together, that shares together, that prays together, and that grows together, right? The community didn't stop at the door. Fellowship didn't stop. We need this, just for the record, we need this as human beings. We need the event In fact, I was reading an article that said, we need, humans need the collective effervescence of being together. That's so good, right? We know this because everyone has gone to Taylor Swift. Just everyone, right? It feels like it, right? When you are in a, when you are in a room with 80,000 people, there's a different kind of energy. When you're in a room with 650, 750 people, there's a different energy than when you're by yourself. We as humans actually need that collective effervescent, that thing that lifts us up when we're together. We need that, but we can't let that be the, the absolute apex of our spiritual lives. It has to be those connections that go beyond this room. All the while, praising God, and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. So from this collective effervescence, there was an incredible amount of energy that went out into the world, and it was positive. A worshiping community that is healthy, uh, an ecclesia that is healthy, is an ecclesia that does not offend the world, but it's something that attracts people who are not part of it because it is such a positive thing, adding to the grace, love, mercy, and compassion in the world. Right, And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So in other words, they were just hanging out, being a community, loving one another, sharing things with one another, and people were so in awe of that, they were like, I need me some of that. I need to be part of what they're doing. Right? Because what was happening when they were together is that that community was challenging them to be more like Jesus. Right? Nothing makes you more like Jesus, or less, I suppose, Then the daily grind of interactions with other people, right? Hebrews reminds us that we are put put in relationships to encourage, right? To encourage one another in the pursuit of the kingdom. Hebrews 10.24 says it this way. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. This is keeping us sharp, right? Iron sharpening iron, if you want to say. We grow together better than we do alone. And then he says, "And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near." And I got to say something about church attendance, right? Since COVID, church attendance has been all across the board. I mean, obviously, you all showed up today, so thank you for that. So probably telling the wrong people, but um, but, and this this is not an Adventist problem. This is this is true amongst all the churches in North America right now. Since COVID, people do not come back to church at the same rate and pace that they were going to before. And that could be because they found value in watching things online and they're able to interact with that and it's good for them. Okay. But scripture says that we are not to stop worshiping together. This needs to be part of our practice of community because familiarity helps grow relationships. If you show up once every six weeks to church, And then you say to somebody, you know, I don't even feel like I'm a part of that church. Well, good news, you're not. (laughs) Nobody knows you because you've not been around. It shouldn't be a surprise, right? It's, It's a real thing. So we need to think about that because Scripture encourages us. And in fact, in Luke 4, when Jesus is opening up the Isaiah scroll, it says he went to the synagogue as was his custom. Jesus was a church guy. He went to church every single week, right? Be clear. Church doesn't save you. We know that. But church puts you in a community that helps you along the path. And that's important for us to understand. And by the way, when, when you're known in the community, the community then reveals your gifts and talents. People will say, like, you'll be like, man, maybe I wanna serve in kids ministry. And the people around you will be like, you know what, you totally should, you're gifted for that. When you hear that, that's the call of God on your life. That's community confirming your call. However, if you say, I really like to work in kids ministry and everyone around you goes, don't do that, don't do that please. All right? Be like, no, no, no. listen, right? But, but, you know, two are better than one, right? And so listen to the people around you and listen as your gifts and talents are revealed. And, and we need each other to understand this. Ecclesiastes 4 9 says two people are better off than one. They can help each other succeed. By the way, we experience this in Crosswalk Church all the time. Because when I go from Redlands and go up to Portland, their success is Redlands' success, is Chattanooga's success, is North Houston's success, is New England success. <clears throat> Every time we see a community grow, it builds the momentum of the movement. And we recognize that we're not doing this alone, that there are people who are just like you, who feel the same way about worship, who love the, the, the way we enter into scripture in the same way. There's people like you all around the world that are interested in growing what God is doing through this. And we do this together because if one person falls, the other one, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Have any of you watched that movie 127 Hours? Yeah, well, it's about a guy who cuts his own arm off, so I don't recommend it. Um, And in fact, I watched it until he started to cut his own arm off, and then it felt like 127 Hours, and I wasn't interested in watching it anymore. Um, He was alone when he was hiking, and that became the issue, right? We don't do this life of faith alone. We do it in community because when two or three are gathered is when the Holy Spirit shows up. And when two or three hundred or two or three thousand are gathered, that's when we see the Holy Spirit moving in incredible ways. But we don't need to have that kind of numbers, but we do have to be together, right? It continues, Ecclesiastes 4.11, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? Right? I think you understand the principle, but if you don't go camping, this might not make as much sense to you. A person, starting, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. And then he just goes for it. He's like three or even better. For triple-braided cord is not easily broken. The point being made here is that this is not something we're going to do by ourselves. The community is elemental to our faith development, and it's elemental to being human. Because we understand that community carries you emotionally. I, uh, I know this is true. Let me give you an example. So <clears throat> this last week, I got a text from someone. Um, it was this woman. I had married her and her husband about four years ago. They were attending Redlands. They left, moved to the East Coast, and weren't close to a crosswalk. They still connected with us online. But I, I heard from her last week. Like I said, I was in North Houston launching that campus. And she said, hey, Pastor Tim, um, we're in Loma Linda, we're in town, and I was really hoping to see you today, but my husband wasn't feeling well before church, and then he really wasn't feeling well, and we went to the ER at the VA hospital, and it turns out he's been diagnosed with end-stage liver disease, right? They're like 36 years old. just tragic. But what Reminded me of this particular point that community carries you emotionally is that she has family in town and I'm sure they were support But she reached out to her home church and said hey I need you guys to pray for me. I need you to walk with me and immediately was like hey, what can we do one of our one of our pastors is actually a chaplain at the VA He'll come by and he'll see you guys like hey, what can we do? How can we make sure she knew where her community was? She knew where those deep connections were and she knew that we would help hold her up emotionally Galatians 6 two share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. We carry one another, right? We carry our burdens, we carry our cares, we carry our joys and our hopes. If we don't do that for one another, again, we are just consumers sitting next to one another without that connective tissue in between us that draws us and binds us together. When we do this and we carry one another's emotions we also realize that the community opens up our eyes to the needs, right? It calls us out of our self-centeredness and self-absorption that we all kind of live with by giving us the responsibility of looking outward to see what other people actually need. And we do this in community with accountability to one another, right? It says this, brothers and sisters, 1 Thessalonians 5.14, brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid take tender care of those who are weak, be patient with everyone. Man, this is beautiful, right? This is what community does. Here's the problem with this text. As I read this text, I bet the vast majority of you were like, I should do that. And you're thinking of who's weak and who's timid and who's, right? You know that it's you, right? You know that you are weak sometimes and you are lazy sometimes and you are timid sometimes and you need somebody to hold you accountable to that. But it's important we understand, in a room full of people like this, the accountability is not going to come from the corporate group, it's going to come from those close connections that you have, because if it, it would just get weird if it was the other way around. We'll talk about confession later, and you'll see what I mean, right? Because community lifts us up, we see the needs of others, but it also empowers our relationship with God, because there's something real about the concept of power in numbers, The more people around you, the different the worship experience is. When you're surrounded by other believers, we feel empowered in our faith and might actually be more sensitive to God's presence in our lives. And it's different when you're leading, right, Brooks? When there's, you know, 50 people in the room and you back off the microphone, you're like, you sing. I'll come back to the microphone real quick, right? It's different when there's 750 people in the room. And you say, let's sing together, and you carry the tune. And you experience that worship differently. Proverbs twenty-seven, seventeen says that it's a quote we text. Uh, it's a text we quote all the time. It's iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. We are better at this together. We're better at faith. We're better at believing together. If you can believe that, there's something powerful about believers joining together, making each other accountable, and being a witness to God working in one another's lives and how God is working. In them. Sometimes we can't see what God is doing for us and with us at the moment, but the people around us can see it and affirm it. We need people to check in on us. We need people to ask us hard questions and challenge us to live our faith in every aspect of our lives. Listen, if even none of all that were true, community meets our need for love. God is a God of relationships. We know this. This is how the Trinity is built, Right, God always in relationship with himself from forever to forever. It's a hard concept, but we we lean into that and we believe the mystery of the Trinity. We do that because we know God values relationships. And then he wants us to be in those kinds of relationships as well. We need and crave love. And by the way, if we don't find love in healthy communities and in healthy habits... We will search in unhealthy ways to find love. We all know someone in our life who has done that, is doing that, or it's been us at one point or another. And so we need a community that can lift us up in healthy and valuable ways, right? A healthy worshiping community can help fill that craving and need for love and satiate our restlessness that we all live with. God gifts us with each other in order to meet this love Proverbs 17, 17 says it this way, a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. And this love that we're talking about, this phileo love, brotherly or sisterly love, is given to us as a beautiful representation of the sacrificial love that Jesus has had for us. So know this, every time you go and help a friend move because you own the truck, you're expressing the love of God in that person's life. Every time, right, right, you pick them up from a party because they need picking up, you're showing them brotherly love, the same kind of love that God has shown you in his sacrificial love. Every time you tip an extra 10% because it seems like the server needs that, you are encouraging them and building connective tissue between them. Every time you do something for the least of these, you have done something for Jesus and for the expression of Jesus in the world. It's the little things that matter. But listen, you put this many people in a room, you put a community together like this, and I'll tell you what, it teaches you to work through conflicts. What is the first thing it said in Acts 2? It said that they devoted themselves. They committed themselves to be together. They also committed themselves to be together through conflict. Bring any group together and one thing is certain. You will have conflict. But we are called to work through these conflicts and be in one accord again. We're asked to be united, which isn't natural and certainly isn't easy. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says it this way. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be one, uh, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. This means sometimes we have to lay down our pride in order to continue the relationship. It means we have to learn how to compromise in order to get through and that we need to learn assertiveness, not aggression, peace, not division, and communication, not commands or edicts. The way that we engage in conflict in church is telling to how healthy a church is. And I tell you, um, I've been on a lot of church boards and I've seen amazing people lose their minds. And I've also seen them come together through deep conflict and find a way through. What I tell couples when I'm doing premarital counseling is that when, when there is conflict in the marriage, it is just the road to understanding, right? In a conflict, there's no winners or losers in a marriage. There is just a road to understanding. So you're gonna get through it, but the way that you get through it matters. In community, we learn to be human to one another, We learn to stop labeling people and engaging with people, people who don't think, feel, or act like us at all. And if we don't have an opportunity to do that within the body of Christ, do you think we're gonna do it anywhere else in our lives? This is the place we're called to the most peace, the most grace, and the most compassion to one another. And if we can't do it here, we are certainly not doing it on the social media boards, and we are certainly not doing it in our communities where we live. So this is the place we practice being reasonable, Thoughtful and connected people, but you got to remember this, and this is what's hard, right? As we plant churches, people come in, and like last week was amazing. I had probably four people come up weeping, saying, "Thank, thanks so much for this church. We are so blessed. It's so incredible that we get to have a church like this. Never thought we would have it. This is gonna fix everything for me." And I'm like, "Oh no, we're we're not." well, this church is so much healthier and so much better than the other church I've been to. I'm like, that's great, but it's still filled with all these human beings and they're kind of a mess. And I'm kind of a mess. Because you have to understand this, the church, the community, is not Jesus. It was never meant to be. It won't be perfect. And the community will never be exactly what you want it to be. In fact, in scripture, the church is called the bride of Christ. Right? And, and in that, we will understand how committed Jesus is to his bride. So that means when we talk about the bride of Christ, we're not actually talking about the community as much as we're talking about how Jesus shows loyalty and fealty and love to that bride. Our job is to be able to receive that love that Christ has for us, knowing that it won't be perfect. But if we can build in a modicum of that kind of loyalty between us, the community becomes the best place in the world to be because the community offers opportunity for confession, which leads to healing. Now, we don't talk about confession a great deal, and particularly in large churches, we don't talk about confession, because we all know it would be weird if somebody stood up and began to confess their sins in this situation, right? We'd all get real uncomfortable, and we'd all be like, why is this person talking make it stop, and then we'd leave and talk about it at lunch, right? <laughs> so that's what we do. Right? So clearly that's not appropriate to stand up and confess in a, in a situation like this. This is why we offer opportunities and you must be engaged in a smaller community where there is accountability, spiritual accountability and just behavioral accountability of like, hey, are you okay? You seem really angry. Is something going on in your life and you can share that and confess it and begin to heal? This is why we want every single one of you, if you could be, to be involved in some sort of small group that can hold you accountable, and you can hold the other people accountable because you have a vested interest in one another. The truth is, the vast majority of you will probably not know each other as you come to church here in a church this large. But if you want to go deeper and commit to being in a smaller community as part of the larger community, then confession makes a big difference. Because then you can live that healing life that God has called us to. James 5.16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. But you know what? It doesn't just give wonderful results to the person confessing. Community actually gives you the chance to forgive, which is incredibly important to who you are as people of faith. There's nothing more beautiful than the picture of the gospel displayed through our healthy interaction as a body of believers. Within the body, we are bound to get hurt and then guaranteed the opportunity to forgive. We get to feel what Jesus felt as he suffered wounds and then forgave those who hurt him. See, that is a freedom many people don't receive. You get to be proactive in forgiveness and cultivate a culture of forgiveness in your life. You will live your life without the burden of anger and hatred And resentment when you can learn to forgive and community gives you that opportunity. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other for love covers a multitude of sins, says 1 Peter. And this is hard, but it makes us more like Jesus to show deep love even when we struggle. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Make sure your community exists beyond these walls. God has given you each a gift from his great variety of spiritual gift. Use them well to serve one another, to mutually encourage one another. This is what we do when we come together. We see this in church every single week. And then he gets specific. He says, listen, do you have the gifts of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Understand that you are called in your particular giftedness to add to the community, to grow together. A community that is called is a community that is moving. Things are happening. It is growing, and that's what we experience right here every single week, right? You're called. You have work to do. You have joy to give, forgiveness to cultivate, and a home to share. Each of you, each of us can learn can, can make amazing things happen as we lean into community as it continues to grow and grow you and stretch you and the people next to you. So I get asked this question a lot. Was Jesus the perfect human or why was Jesus the perfect human? And I've thought a lot about it. And it's easy to move towards a behavioral model where you say, well, Jesus didn't sin, so he was perfect. But there's something more to Jesus's perfection than just acting right. The reason why Jesus was the perfect human is because he was perfectly connected to his father and he was perfectly connected to the people around him as well. That means he was the most human being that has ever lived because he was so connected. So if you wanna know what makes you more like Christ, it's the connections that you carry within the body of Christ. It is the way that you are connected to God and the way that you love one another and show that love. It's not behavior. It's connection. He was fully God and fully human, so he was fully connected to God and fully connected to the humanity around him. This is what gave him his power. This is why it made this is what made his grace so sufficient and so overwhelming. This is what made his love so palpable to the people and so attractive to the greater and broader community. I guess the truth is this. To be Christian means you're part of a community. You have to be. And I want you to know that you're called to be part of the community right here if you want to be. It's a place of belonging, a place that doesn't want to let you go. And I also know this. I know that there are many of you who are sitting in the room today who are like, listen, I'm, I'm not really built that way. I'm not gonna go out and make friends. I'm not gonna stand in the lobby and be like, hey, you, I need to know who you are. And by the way, that sounds weird, so don't do it that way. But um, there's some of you who need someone to come up and talk to you. There's some of you who are deeply uncomfortable making connections because for whatever reason in your life, it's been hard. So I wanna affirm that today and know that you're still part of this. That it may take a little bit longer so you may have to attend a little more regularly. You may have to stand a little more awkwardly or maybe, maybe you find the easy way which is you go to our next steps booth and you say, I just wanna help, what can I do? And they'll put you in a position that gives you a reason to be there so you can talk to people without having to do it just kind of out of nothing because I know how hard that is. But I want you to know that this community is a growing, healthy, exciting place to see the miracles of God happen. And we know the way we do church is a certain way and, you know, say all the things people want to say about it. But more than anything, we want to connect with God. That's what we do with worship. We want to connect with a better understanding of who he is. That's why the preaching matters but we also wanna make sure we're connected to one another so that we can live those lives fully realized as human beings, seeking after what Jesus sought, this connection with a few people that would grow and the ripple effect would change the world. And so as you worship today, sense that connection with God, but as you leave today, do not deny the connection with community that is elemental to you continuing to grow in your faithless power. Thank you for joining us for this teaching. Consider hitting the subscribe button to stay tuned for next week. If you'd like to support Crosswalk Chattanooga, go to crosswalkvillage.com Chattanooga and click the give button at the far right of the ribbon at the top. Notice the campus dropdown menu and select Chattanooga. And if you'd like to come and worship with us on a Saturday morning, we would love that. When you do, please say hi to me. I'd love to learn your name.